Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. As always, a privilege to be able to spend some time in God's Word together. This morning, we're going to be opening to John in chapter 16 and starting in verse 4 and then reading through verse 15. And what I'll do this morning is uh, read our text for this morning and then uh, we'll just pause one more time for a word of prayer just in acknowledging our dependence on the Lord to bring truth and life and understanding. And then we'll dive right in as to what the Lord has for us this morning. It says this in John chapter 16 and verse 4. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Let's pause and pray. Lord, thank you that again we can come before you this morning and that we can trust in a true living spirit that this morning you can guide our hearts and minds. That you can protect us from seeking some intellectual discovery when today it is about knowing a person, not just a principle. And I just pray that you would be about your purpose as we know you always are in the depth of our hearts, that we would be open with hearts bowed low, that you would speak, that you would change and transform each and every one of us as we know you can. And I just pray that as we come out of this morning, we would have just a, a little more encouragement of both who you are and what you're doing today in our midst. And so I pray once more that we would settle for nothing less than your thoughts, not man's thoughts about you, but your thoughts that declare you and your glory and that alone. And so with that trust, we thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this place. And just thank you for this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, we're looking at John 16. And as we just read, Jesus begins to talk. And it's not that he's begun for much of the time, he's already been speaking that he is going to be departing. But as that departure gets closer, as the time draws near, 
he begins to be clearer and clearer, uh, as we've said before, and we'll probably have to say many times again, uh, the disciples were very good at missing what Jesus was saying. God, as we've been reminded before, is always speaking more often than not, I'm just not listening. And Jesus was declaring again and again that he was going to have to go. And in John 16, he begins to tell them, and he's speaking to a group of people that he acknowledges have a great sorrow in their midst. Verse 6 of John 16, we read this. He says, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. The disciples have grown sorrowful just at the idea that Jesus, their teacher, their master, their leader, was going to go. And Jesus had made it clear a place that that at this moment they could not come. But he says this to encourage them, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, The helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And and as he begins to speak of these things, he, he reminds them that when he goes, there's an advantage because something better is on its way. And This was convicting to me as I was reading because I think of the many times I long for the person and presence of Jesus. If only Jesus were here. If only He were in the car with me. If only He were in the circumstance with me. If only in the midst I could see Him, I could touch Him, I could hold His hand, everything would be okay. And yet, as as we read, Jesus was looking beyond the moment and pointing them to something more, something better that was coming. He was going, but something greater was coming. I want to remind you this morning that as we began and, and spent some time in the Gospel of John as a congregation, at one point, I spent a little bit of time in one of our services, just talking briefly about John and his revelation of the Messiah, the one who would come and not just do miraculous wonders, but attesting miracles. That he was writing down those things that proved he was the promised one from God. John 1 said this, as John began his letter, it said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. This is the Word that John was writing about. And as we read on together in John 1 and verse 14, it's this Word that was life and the light of men. John wrote in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Remember that word, he dwelt among us, was that word in the original language, tabernacled. The presence of God came down and tabernacled, a temporary dwelling place, a tent. The glory of God was housed in human form. And his glory, we saw it, theodzomai, theatered, we all saw it. We read on in John chapter 1 and verse 18, in which John wrote, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. You see, this is what they had come to know. This is what they had come to love, was that the very glory of God was with them. The presence. And yet the sorrow in the moment is this, that the presence of God was always throughout Scripture something longed for, but feared at the same time that it could be lost. As fleeting as forgiveness and sacrifice, your forgiveness was only as good as the last sacrifice at the temple, at the altar. And if you did not sacrifice, there was not forgiveness. And they were dependent time and again and were always fearful of falling out of that favor with God. But that spirit, that transforming life of God, it put it this way in First Samuel. And I'll read a few verses and don't feel the pressure to turn there, but I'll read quickly for time's sake. First Samuel reminded of this when Saul was appointed king. It said in First Samuel 10 verse 6, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you mightily and you will prophesy with them and be changed into another man. It went on in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 10 and wrote this, When they came to the hill, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily so that he prophesied among them. It was that Spirit that when Moses was calling to bring his people into the land in Exodus 33, God said, listen, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But as much as they longed for the presence of God, they feared losing God. So I that's so why David wrote in the Psalms, in Psalm cha- chapter 51, what, what, did he, what did he write? Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. As much as they longed for it, they feared losing it. And in Exodus chapter 33, that's the very thing in that very passage in which Moses declared God's promise of going with them and providing for them rest. After they sinned, after they made a molten calf, after Moses had smashed the tablets of God, God turned to them and said this in Exodus 33. The Lord spoke to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought up from the land of Egypt. 
to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, because you are obstinate. You see, they longed for the Spirit of God, the Spirit that could transform someone like Saul into another man. Empower. Move. Embolden. Bless. And yet, just as the Spirit came, the great fear, the Spirit could go. And yet God had made many promises in His Scripture. Some of which I love and long reading. Listen to a few verses from the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 11 verse 19. I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Again in Ezekiel 36, it, it, he, he writes for us, Moreover, I will give you a new heart, put on a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone in your flesh, give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. I will put my spirit in you, he says in Ezekiel 37. I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Isn't that great? While they feared losing it, God had promised it. And in Joel 2 verse 28, through the prophet Joel, he writes, It will come about after this. I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. You see, Jesus knew. And yet, as I, those disciples that day were longing and now sorrowful because what they were losing was something. It it was physical, but it was merely a vehicle for God's glory. And God did not want them to settle for the man Jesus. He wanted them to experience the Spirit of Jesus. That was of the Father. He wanted them to understand that while Jesus was in one physical place at a physical time, as those, if you go back and read in John chapter 11, when He had come to Lazarus' tomb and Martha first came, and her opening words to Jesus, Jesus, if only you had, what? Been here. And later as she went in sorrow, Mary would come and say the exact words, her opening statement to Jesus, Jesus, if only you had been here, 
They had been waiting, longing, and come dependent on the physical presence of Jesus. But Jesus knew that there was something more. Jesus knew that there was something better. And Jesus knew when he said these words, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. Not in one physical place at one physical time. But a spirit is coming that is going to convict not only you, but the world that they might know. Never again will someone say, Jesus, if only you had been here. You'll never need to say those words again. Why? Because I will already be there. He said he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. He's going to show them, shine that light, just as Jesus, theodzomai, theater God's glory. For those 33 years he walked the earth, he was going to go and another was going to come so that that theater might take place not just there, not just in Jerusalem, Not just where he went, but everywhere. And it's for this reason that if you read on, when we read Paul's words to the Romans, he actually says to them many things that are encouraging to us today because of this. What does Paul write? And again, I'll read a few verses for time's sake to keep it short. What does he write? Romans chapter 2 Listen to what he says. Verse 13, It is not the hearers of the law who are just before God. It's not the people who've had the Bible or the Old Testament taken to them and read to them who are just before God. It's not the hearers of the law. What does he say? He says it's the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law or a law to themselves. How? They show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Isn't that exciting? Paul's writing a group of people in which he's saying, listen, both the Jew who has the law of God and the Gentile who doesn't, Stand on even ground before God. Why? Because even those who have not heard are justified by what they do. Why? Because the law of God has been written where? On their hearts. Their conscience convicting or else defending them. Paul wrote that because he knew. He knew what God's Spirit does. Paul would go on. A a verse that came up this last week and I've been ruminating on again, in which often is perhaps one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture as we spend time. 
Paul writes in Romans 10, Moreover, will I call on the name of the Lord? It says, Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen to Romans 10 verse 14. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in Him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. You see, we stop there. Because we all want beautiful feet. We all want people to hear good things. And we all want to bring good news. But often these verses are quoted to guilt into service. If not you, who? If not now, When? If you don't go, who will? And if you don't tell them, how will they hear? But we fail to read on. Paul here is actually talking about the Jews, not Gentiles. And when you read on, he presents this question. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who's believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have not heard, have they? Have you ever read on? Paul asks a question. But this morning, if we keep reading, he gives the answer. What's the answer today? Romans 10 verse 18, I say surely they have not heard, have they? Indeed, they have. Their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What did Paul know? That as much as man speaks today, God's speaking even louder. As much as We long to preach truth. Truth is preaching to us. That if every one of us should shut our mouths, what does the Scripture say? That today even the rocks will cry out. Jesus was preparing a way, and while for 33 years He was displaying God's glory, He knew the advantage was this that a spirit was going to come and convict the world concerning sin and righteousness. But today, sorrow had filled their heart. Why? Because they were going to have to let go of a physical representation of something that was far bigger. It was spiritual. And I wonder how often I do this. They didn't want to let the person of Jesus go. But they needed to so that the Spirit might come. And I think how many times I put physical things in priority over the spiritual. And I think this, Lord, I had that amazing experience back at camp. If only I could get there again, then I would hear your voice. 
If only I could get back to that camp. If only I could get back to that worship service. If only I could get back to that moment in which I felt your presence, in which I saw your glory, in which I sensed your direction, then I'd hear your voice again. And the answer is no. God's glory, God's presence has never been more available to you than right now in this moment. Not more there, not more then. Because God's Spirit is with us. I am going to your advantage. Why? So that the Spirit can be where? Here. And where the Spirit is, huh, there is so much <laughs> to read for lack of time. I wish we could. It, it actually tells us but we've read it already in John. Remember that woman at the well? After Jesus had said, hey, go back and tell your husband. Oh, I don't have a husband. You're right, because you've had four and the one you're with is not yours. She says, I sense you're a prophet. I would too. She turns to that question, God, the Jews worship at the temple. We, Samaritans, worship on the mountain. Where do true worshipers worship? Again, looking, longing for what? Where's that physical location where I can hear from God, where I can find forgiveness from God, where I can be closest to God? What did Jesus say in John 4 verse 23? An hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus said, listen, it's not on this mount or that mount, but here, within. It's Paul who wrote that God who made the world and all things in it does not live in temples made with hands. And today I wonder how many times, how many places I'm sorrowful because I'm missing something physical, but that physical thing was not the end all and be all but to bring me to the spiritual. This building, this room, this service is nothing without the Spirit of God. It is only here to point us to that Spirit. And I have friends who feel that they are a subpar citizen of the kingdom of God because they have not made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land and seen this or touched that. Or witness there. God is no more there than He is here. Today, it is to our advantage, and as many times as I long and wish that Jesus might be here, I deny the reality that He already is. Did Jesus need to be prayed into the room this morning? Did we need to sing God into the sanctuary? No. In fact, He was in the car with you on your way. And He was in your home before that. 
and he was helping you getting late out of bed and rushing here with your family even before that. True testimony this morning. (laughs) Jesus was going to go so that another might come. A spirit that we read in Romans 8. A spirit that when that spirit would come, listen, it tells us this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of death. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Jesus was preparing not just to show them life, but to give them life. I think back to 1 Samuel in chapter 4. And one of my favorite stories, because it reminds me of who I am. When the people of Israel were being defeated by the Philistines. And if you remember the story, and I've probably referenced it before, and I'll reference it again, no doubt. But in 1 Samuel, they're being defeated by the Philistines. And you know what happens? As they're being beat down, quick, go get the Ark of the Covenant. And as the Ark came barreling in, the people of Israel cheered. Why? Because God was in their presence. The the Philistines had said their hearts melted. And they said, fight for your lives. This is the God who smote Egypt. They cheered. The enemy revered. Here's what happened. God let the ark get captured. The Philistines took it. And there was great remorse. But I'll tell you this. It was a good remorse. Because in that moment... They were being stripped, not of the presence of God, a symbol of the presence. The ark that carried those commandments and the things of God, it was a symbol. And they had begun to put their trust in the symbol, in the physical picture of God with us instead of the presence. And there was a moment where they needed to stop and realize that it wasn't about the box, but the God who gave it to them. Back in Exodus chapter 33, note this, that when we read those verses, and those people feared, God said, listen, it's an obstinate people. Moses, you lead them. I'll send an angel before you, but I will not go. 
Moses said this in Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? Do you know what I love? That in this moment, Moses had an opportunity to choose the promised land, milk and honey, and an angel before them, or God's presence. He had a choice between the physical blessings, the promise, and the presence of God. And here's what he said. We won't go without you. It's meaningless if you're not there. That's what it's all about. How will we be distinguished as your people if you aren't in our midst? And do you know what I think sometimes as we get back to our text in John this morning, there are those times in which God strips us of those physical elements like the ark, the box that we put our dependence in. But note John 16 verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Do you know there are things now today that God has for you, but perhaps he knows in the moment you cannot bear them now. But he's promised this that that very Spirit will declare them to you, you will know what you need to know when you need to know it. You're called to faith and follow Him. But He's also said this, He will disclose to you what is to come and He will glorify Me. He will lead you in truth. He's promised to provide us a guide to all truth if we will follow Him. And and I look today and sense, as we often maybe do, longing that the physical presence of Jesus were here. And one day He will be back on His rightful throne. But today, by wishing, by praying for, and seeking that physical embodiment, I may well be denying the embodiment of God that is with us now. He is with us. He is guiding us. He is speaking 
if we are listening. He doesn't always tell us where the next bend in the road is going. He tells us what we need to know and promise us He will guide us and give us what we need when we get there. What do you think would have happened to Joseph if beforehand he had just set up and say, Hey Joseph, by the way, your dad's going to give you a coat of many colors, but I'm going to allow you to suffer abuse. You're going to be beaten, put in a hole, sold into slavery, wrongly put in jail, uh, <laughs> forgotten about in jail, rot in jail. Oh, you're going to do some amazing things. Tell people their dreams, interpret them. You're still going to be forgotten in jail. Oh, and then one day, man, you'll be right next to Pharaoh. He didn't need to know all that. <laughs> If I knew sometimes, I'd run. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks, God. But by His abiding Spirit, whatever the situation, whatever the moment, He's given you what it takes. However lost you feel, the light is there. However distant He may seem, closer than He's ever been. Why? Jesus went so that the Spirit might come. As we walk out these doors, my hope is that we walk with that confidence. That wherever we go, we don't wish He were there. We walk in the acknowledgement of His presence. We thank Him today for who He is and what He's doing. That today, as much as I long to preach to the masses, His Spirit is about His work, convicting, shining a light. As long as I long for those experiences in which I heard and felt God, that experience is right around the corner if I'd open my heart and mind. As much as I long to see that glory, the glory is in our midst. And while sorrowful in the moment, Jesus knew there would be great joy to come. Just as we said, never again would Mary and Martha need to say, Jesus, if only you were here. Because he would be there. Today, as we go out these doors, God is with us. How amazing is that? It turns life from a fearful endeavor to a great adventure when God is by your side. There is no hill that cannot be climbed, no valley too great. But the challenge for us today, set aside the physical representation. Don't long for the promises and the things of God without the presence of God. And as I need to remember each and every day, as one once told me, and I've told you before, but again, I need to be reminded weekly, if the Spirit of God were to leave the church today, how much of our activity would go on as normal? If the Spirit of God left today, how much of our church activity would go on as normal? What should be the answer? The answer should be none. That's the gas that makes the car drive. That's the vehicle of conviction, of strength, of hope, of glory. 
of walking away. What did we read in John 8, uh, of Romans 8? Uh, that, that the spirit of life might be the vehicle to get us away from the law of sin. And yet I fear often in our churches today, if the spirit left, it would be business as usual. Because we're doing a lot for God, in the name of God, about the things of God. But we can do it all without God if we're not careful. Moses did not want to go without the presence. The very presence that now Jesus was promising that as he went, would now come. And we need to say thank you. And walk in such a way not to say, if Jesus were here, things would sure be different. Boy, would I behave differently if he were standing here. Boy, would I behave different if he were watching. He is. <laughs> He's there. He's here. And today we're called to live. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that today we need no longer say, if only you were here, Jesus. Thank you that today we no longer fear a presence that could come and then go. Thank you that today you have given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And though we often long for the presence of Jesus physically, visually, while those may give us comfort in the moment, I fear we fail to see the reality that is your presence here with us today, moment by moment, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter what we say. Thank you that that glory, once hidden behind a veil in the temple, that had to be sought in a physical place, in one physical time, vying for forgiveness. That today it's as simple as saying, thank you, Lord. It's as simple as opening our hearts and saying, we believe you, Lord. Take me, have me, hold me, move me, shape me. And I pray for each here, that as you put your finger on our hearts and those areas in which we've elevated physical things that are about you, that today, like Moses, we might let all things go. Allow you to strip us of all the symbols and bring us to the sincere worship of the substance of your spirit of life. Thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you are and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.